Make sure you go to Kiowa Island, hole number four on World Golf Tour this week. That's where you'll find our WGT Challenge of the Week. And send us a screenshot of how close you got there on hole number four, and you'll have a chance at winning a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. Lots of good shirts over there right now. But even if you don't get closest, you'll be entered into our grand prize drawing, which is your choice of tickets to a game or a jersey of your choice. So make sure you go to freewgt.com today and download the app and play along with us. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the cups from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. We're doing a little early podcast today, so uh, big shout out to Strava for getting us in the mood and uh in the mind space well at least for me zach's been up since like 4 17 a.m just doing stuff around the house i assume uh but for me it got me rolling this morning so shout out to strava craft coffee for that and if you want to get rolling with strava craft coffee make sure you use the code dnvr20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase all right guys well before we jump into the hardcore broncos chiefs talk I saw an interesting topic that arose on Broncos Twitter, per se, yesterday, and it came uh, from, I believe his name is Adam Lef- Lefko? Mm-hmm. Lefko of Bleacher Report. He threw out the idea that the Broncos, if the Panthers are obsessed with Kyle Allen and want to go forward on that train, that the Broncos should trade for Cam Newton. His reasoning, slightly flawed. Um, essentially it was just that, you know, the, the Scangarello offense would be good for him. And also that he's really good friends with Von Miller, which I don't know where he got that Von Miller literally ruined his life. So I don't know why they would be good friends. In fact, they might've been good friends before Von Miller ruined his life. Uh, but Cam Newton's never been the same since Von Miller and the Broncos defense dominated him in Super Bowl 50. So quickly your thoughts. Why, why, why would the Broncos do this? Because here's the thing. When you look at the past, what, three years since Von Miller destroyed Cam Newton's life, Cam Newton has been Joe Flacco. That's exactly who he's been. That's what his teams have ended up being, and that's what he's been on the field. Of course, he looks a lot different than Joe Flacco. He's more mobile than than Joe Flacco, but his stats are the exact same. His production is the exact same. And it's kind of like, what what was the year that, was it 2013? No, 2014, when Joe Flacco was with Gary Kubiak, right? And everyone, went when the Broncos traded for Flacco, they said, man, if only they get this Joe Flacco, then they'll be good. Well, that's like going back five years. With Cam Newton, you're saying the exact same thing. Oh, if they get Super Bowl 50 Cam Newton, now, of course, not Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, but during that season when he was the MVP, and you're getting 35 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Boy, that's great. But how about the past three years? 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, and last year, 
24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's not lighting the world on fire. No, not at all. And here's here's the main problem with Cam Newton as a quarterback in 2019. Um, he can't throw the ball. Right. And that's an issue. And that seems to be one of the uh, essential traits that you need of a quarterback is just being able to get the ball from point A to point B. <laughs> and he can't do that anymore. I mean, honestly, if you watch him, it looks like he's throwing – uh, like a medicine ball version of a football that weighs like 40 pounds. Yep. What happens when your feet hurt? Right. And, and his, his shoulders and his messed shoulder. up. I mean, he's he's got like everything that he did great has now been taken away from him. It's kind of sad to see because he was at one point an incredibly electric quarterback. The problem is that you just – he's lost it. I mean, this is what happens when you are a quarterback who takes hits the way that he does – well, and and yeah. now he's got a, ba- a bum arm and, and bum legs. He's a 245-pound, 250-pound guy, which means it takes usually two front seven players to bring him down. And thus, kind of similar to Marius Thomas, a bigger receiver who it usually took two defensive backs to bring him down. Effectively, you're taking twice as much force every time you're tackled as another player at your position. The other thing with Cam Newton... When he ran as a younger quarterback, he tended to run to contact rather than away from it. You watch Russell Wilson, and Wilson is in the same ballpark age-wise as Cam Newton. He came into the league a year later than Cam did. And Russell Wilson, you always see him when he takes off, sliding, running out of bounds. He runs away from contact. So it's not the whole thing of that Cam's a runner. It's that Cam found himself absorbing more shots over time it's accumulated. I don't think Cam's going to get better. This idea, as is often the case with Bleacher Report ideas, is aggressively stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's flawed in many ways, and and I think the the most the most important one is just that Cam is done. I think Cam's done. I'm sure he'll get another opportunity. Um, it's just, you know, it'd be one thing if he wasn't fast anymore or one of those things but he was still making throws from the pocket he's never really made throws from the pocket very well a perfect example would be super bowl 50 remember what what uh you know chris harris jr said after the game that made him so upset (laughs) that he stormed off his podium it was look man he we knew that if we forced him to throw the ball that we were going to be fine because he's never been an accurate guy from the pocket so um not a good idea also he's a d-bag (laughs) <laughs> and I don't want to cover him. So another bad idea. And also, wh- why do we talk about Drew Locke so much? Is it, It's not necessarily because of Drew Locke himself. It's that the Broncos need to find their quarterback for the future. Unless Aaron Rodgers gets cut by the Packers after this season and John Elway can swoop in and get him and you, you get an elite guy. I shouldn't have used Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about elite quarterbacks. <laughs> Andrew that's, Luck that's, comes out sure, of retirement. There we go. I love that one. And the Colts stick with Jacoby Brissett. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is so much better than Aaron, Andrew Luck. <laughs> But Andrew Luck, then, of course, you you do that. But just to get another middle-of-the-road, below-average quarterback? No, no, no. It would be cool, though, if it worked. Like, if somehow Cam got back to what he was, the Broncos had the one and two picks from that draft, <laughs> and they went and won a Super Bowl together. But, yeah, not happening. Could you see John Elway making this move? Yes. I couldn't. I really couldn't. I mean, I have to imagine, like, 
he would just watch the film and know that Cam can't do it anymore. Yeah, but at the same time, you would say, well, he was an MVP just like with Joe Flacco. He was a Super Bowl MVP. But Joe Flacco can still do the thing that got him to being a Super Bowl MVP. I can see John doing it. Can he? Because I can see John saying... He's 30 years old. Hey, John said it. John said Joe Flacco was in his prime. He convinced him of something that wasn't there. Uh, Joe Flacco, his passer rating so far this season would be fifth best in his 12-year career, and it would be right there in line with what he's done the last four years, slightly better, but not what he once was. No, I just mean yeah. he can still throw the football. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the He was ba- never a runner or anything basic, like that. Yeah, de- he's definitely... Well, he was a little bit of a runner when he was... Young, not something he did all the time, but he at least could scramble for six, seven yards on third down. He actively turned down a wide open three yard run (laughs) the other day to try and flip the ball to Emmanuel Sanders from like six inches away, right over his head. Honestly, could have been disastrous. I'm like, Joe, I get it. You're slow. But please, if the three yards are just right there in front of you, you can get it in almost two strides. Please take that. Oh, I wanted to ask him that yesterday when he was standing on the podium. He probably would have been like, listen, listen. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. When you're 34 years old, you have a new perspective on things. It is funny how, I don't know, it just seems like Joe has done this for so long that like nothing is new to him now. It feels like he's just going through this. Uh, he's like going on this roller coaster ride that he's been on a hundred times. And he's just like, oh, yep, here comes the loop-de-loop. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yep. he, he, nothing seems new to him. It yep. seems like he's going through this, like, this drill that he's done a thousand <laughs> times. And that leads me into uh, this this game on Thursday, uh, tomorrow. I'm so, Of all weeks for, for it to be a Thursday night game, this is the best week. Like, I, I'm, I'm really excited for this football game. I want it. I think it's, it's such a great litmus test for the Broncos. And uh, I want to see if they're, you know, they have it in them. But I have actually been thinking about this as it relates to Joe Flacco. Are we going to see a different Joe Flacco tomorrow night? Uh, a Joe Flacco. This is the first game all season. Maybe the Packers game you could fit into that. But this is the first game all season where I think the Broncos absolutely positively need Joe Flacco to go make some winning throws out there. Do you think that he turns it up a notch in terms of risk taking tomorrow? I hope not. I, I hope not. And, and Mason and I kind of actually talked about how it needs to be the exact opposite. Rich Gangarello needs to stay within himself and stay with what the Broncos do well and not take those risks because one risk could be one risk too many. You can't have Joe Flacco be Patrick Mahomes. This is dink and dunk your way down the field time. Run the ball, short passes, maybe to the running backs. Uh, maybe some quick dra- drags to your wide receivers coming across the middle. Judiciously take a shot downfield to Cortland Sutton on a 50-50 ball. But this is not a game where you come out and you push the envelope. You, you're you trying to get to the, the par 5 green in three. Because the Chiefs defense is so bad at this point that if you do that, You'll control the clock. You'll hit the magic number of 35 minutes time of possession that has been deadly for the Chiefs the last two years because it keeps Patrick Mahomes and company off the field. You do that, you'll win. Don't. This is not the time to play hero ball if you're Joe Flacco. 
<laughs> I disagree. N- not not entirely. I mean, first of all, the by far the most important stat of this game is pos- time of possession. Um, possess the ball as much as you possibly can. With that being said, you are not going to score enough points if you if Joe Flacco doesn't make some plays with his arm. So I think the Broncos are going to take three to five shots in this game. And you need Joe Flacco to hit two of them. You're not winning unless you hit two deep balls in this game, in my opinion. And to me, that's that's not really straying from the game plan too much of running the ball and controlling the clock. Because how many shots is Patrick Mahomes going to take? I mean, how many times are they going to go deep? Uh, double digits. So it, it's yeah, exactly. So it's not going to be a similar game plan. It's not going to be close. <sighs> My biggest thing with going deep: when has it worked? Almost every time they've tried. I've I my most recent memory is. I remember a pick. Is yeah, good ball going off Noah Fant's uh, back and looking uh, like a circus out there. That was like a half deep ball. <laughs> That's that's a deep ball for this Broncos it offense. Is, though. It is. I mostly mean Cortland Sutton or Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders running straight. I remember Cortland Sutton getting called for a terrible pass interference penalty. When has Emmanuel Sanders hit on a deep ball? I don't think they have hit him yet. It's been Cortland. I think they're undefeated on Cortland deep balls so far this season. What do you and call pass interference penalty? It's a terrible call. That's a defeat that... It's yeah. wrong, but it's a Which, defeat. When did that happen? Why am I blanking on that? Late in the first half, right before they, right before half. Down halftime. the right side. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what they've done it three, four times all season. Yeah, I mean, shoot, it's been way fewer than I would suggest. <laughs> and and this game is a perfect game for the Cortland Sutton rule. Here, here's the thing, though, Ryan is that would be that would be a quick score. I don't think quick scores well, are important in this And that's game. why it's when you cross the 50. Okay. So you've gotten two or three first downs at this point. You've, you've possessed the ball. And those were probably three down first downs. And now you've crossed the 50. Just give Cortland a chance. I, d- I actually don't think that's a winning formula. And it's crazy to say that, like, good, deep plays that get you a lot of yards. I'm not saying don't do that and you don't want it, but I don't think it's necessary because just as quickly as you score that, the, the Chiefs are going to score in half the time. So you're feeling pretty confident in the defense this week? No. I'm trying to help the defense by keeping it off the field. I'm not, I, I should rephrase. I'm not not confident in the defense. I'm that scared of Kansas City's offense. Okay, but here's the thing. If you don't hit Cortland on a deep ball, you're probably getting three points. And three points isn't going to get it done. And that's where I stand with this offense right now, guys. I am so afraid about this offense because look at what's happened the past two weeks. Your defense has balled out of control. Three turnovers in back-to-back weeks, you put up an average of 18 points. Seven sacks, seven sacks in three turnovers last week, and you put up 16 points. Your defense is not just balling and doing their part. They are helping the offense so much by field position, by turnovers, and you're getting 16 points. It's because literally you've gone three and out on half of your last 20 possessions since that first quarter against the Chargers. Half the time, three and out. What happens, what happens if you do that in this game, but every other possession you have is a score? So you're, you're going. Losing? You're alternating between three and outs and touchdowns. Yep, you're, you win that game. 
Do you think so? I mean, how many possessions are they going to get? That, let's say you get 10 possessions. That's 35 points. Yeah, you better win if you score but 35 points. what are the chances of the team field goals? getting touchdowns every time it doesn't go three and out? Let's oh, I thought that's realistic. what you were saying. Uh, it's just a score? A, a score. Oh, if, those, if some of those are field goals, then game over. Because <laughs> yeah, you figure, based on, say, last year, for example, when the Chiefs came in here on Monday Night Football, it was three field goals, two touchdowns. What are the Chiefs 23 points. averaging this season? Do we know on offense? Point-wise? Yeah. I can look it up easy. Okay. Let me know that. Uh, I'm curious to see what that number is because I don't think it's near the 30 range, which is where they were last year. Um, well, it's dragged down by the uh, 13, but don't forget they had 40 against Jacksonville, so that would come close to If I were to guess, I'd say out. it's right in the 25-point range, 24, 25 points. I'll figure it out eventually. Well, let's see here. Let's start with Jacksonville. They had 40, 28 against Oakland, 68. Mace is going to 33 against Baltimore. That's 101. 34 against Detroit, 135. Indianapolis, 13, 148. And then Houston gets you to 172. So 172 divided by six is 29 points a game. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, then. And that's with you know, quote-unquote, poor offensive output from them the past two weeks. Goodness gracious. That's crazy. Yeah, they haven't even had 400 yards. Well, total they're offense average, the what are they averaging weeks. the last two weeks? <laughs> uh, they're averaging, what? 18.5. All right, now you're in a much more comfortable range. And you know what the Broncos are averaging over the entire season? Right about that. 17. Yeah. So not, the, you take the Chiefs' so two that's what, worst but, but games. That actually comes back to my point. The Broncos aren't going to be able to like fake this way through their game uh, through this game on offense. You're going to have to score some points, even with the Texans possessing the ball for three quarters of the game. What was it? They scored 24 in that. The Chiefs did, yeah. So, Texans put up 31. I mean, you aren't going to be able to to just say, "Oh, we'll hold the ball so much that they're only going to score 12 points or something like." You're going to have to generate some offense and then make some plays on defense. It's not as – you do need to possess the ball because every time you give them possession, you are – there's a probably a 50-50 chance they're going to score seven points. But you, have, you just have to make plays on offense. It's not – you can't do the same thing you've been doing the last few weeks. The plays that you're talking about making on offense, I think if the Broncos are going to win – it's actually going to be the defense making those plays. It's a defense that's going to be getting the three interceptions, but then scoring maybe on two of them. And then that's 14 points right there. That maybe you can muster 14 more points out of your offense. The defense could outscore the offense if the Broncos win this game. It's a dark, that's a dark <laughs> uh, picture you're painting there because that's not very likely. Uh, all right, let's hop into our quick hitters or over-unders. Whatever you want to call him, Zach. What do you got for us? All right. Von Sachs, 0.5. Over. Over. He gets one. Pretty confident? Yeah. Like I said uh, earlier in the week, Vaughn last year was always one step behind Mahomes. I think Mahomes is one step behind Mahomes right now, which means Vaughn's going to get it. I think so, too. I think he'll – he has to get one. Bronco Sachs is a team, two and a half. Over. Under. I'm going to go under as well. Joe Flacco sacks two and a half. Over. I think they're, I think despite what you guys say, the Broncos are going to get a little bit outside of themselves and try and take some shots. 
and it's going to lead to him holding the ball a little too long. I think the Broncos won't get, well, shouldn't get outside themselves, and I still think that Joe Flacco gets sacked three or more times. I'm going under because I think it'll be a close game, close enough to where the Broncos aren't in a situation where he has to hold the ball for five, six, seven seconds. All right, let's get into some interesting ones. Emmanuel Sanders' receptions, three and a half. Mm, 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 mm. Do we know he's playing for sure? No, we don't know he's playing for sure. He practiced. He was, you know, quote-unquote, a full participant in the practice that they didn't have yesterday. Don't they usually take bets off the board yes. when there's an injury? Like Player this? must play for yes. action. Right, right. Yeah, we'll say we'll say he has to play. All right, uh, I'll take the over. Over. I'll take the over as well. There's some – this is weird. I got to say, this injury – is weird because on injury exactly quote-unquote injury we had someone yesterday um give us a, a tinfoil hat moment on sanders injury um what was it yesterday? That was monday yeah monday okay I so mean, you, you were there for that for somebody the thing it's the thing i've yeah. heard that's made the most sense was i think it was Seriously? burrito brad or nacho yeah. brad who mm. came in with that maybe burrito chad and then yesterday the it doesn't get that much more clear asked if emmanuel sanders is gonna play how's he doing he said, oh, we think he's going to practice, and we'll go from there. And then asked about, is this a new injury? Is this the same knee injury that he's had? And Vic was just like, yep, yeah, it's just the same one. For somebody with a knee injury, I thought it was interesting that it, at the walkthrough yesterday, and it was a walkthrough, so take it with a grain of salt, I didn't see a brace on his knee. I didn't see a wrap or anything on his knee. Something, something fishy is mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and credit to the Broncos because they're very good at controlling the narrative. Yep. Only they would would be able to um, mask something, you know, whether if it's he's upset over the lack of targets or there was a falling out with the coaching. Only the Broncos would be able to mask this whole thing. It's really true. Or, or maybe he just has a sore knee. Who knows? If he plays, he has to be over, right? I say that, and then I remember You're, the past two weeks, the two games the Broncos won, he was under. Combined. Yep. I... I if you're going to play him, you better feed him. <laughs> right. If I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Mahomes passing yards. Who knows where to set this? 317. Under. Significantly. He's been under that the last three weeks. So I'm going under. I'm going to go over to be different. Here's the thing. He's been under significant, like like you said, Mace, the past two weeks. He's still averaging 350 passing yards per game. He is on pace to have more passing yards than Peyton Manning did in his record-setting 2013. He's on pace to have 5,600 yards. And if the Broncos weren't down to Devontae Harris, which I loved what he did last week, but this is his second start. If they weren't down to him and the Chiefs didn't have Tyreek Hill— and the Chiefs didn't have Sammy Watkins, who's finally balling, uh, as they hoped he would. And the Chiefs Hurt didn't though. have Travis Kelsey. Or banged up. Will he play? I think he'll play. Okay. And they didn't have Travis Kelsey, and they didn't have LaShawn McCoy coming out of the backfield. There's just so many ways that they can get yards, and I think they're going to rely on him a lot. I think that number's really high, but just to be different, I'll take the over. And that leads me to something that's been on my mind this week. And it just escaped my mind. I had it in my head. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, here we go. Thank God. thought I was losing it for a second there. Zach, what was 
Vance Joseph yep. so unbelievably clear about when it came to the strategy against the Kansas City Chiefs? That you can't let them run the ball. No, you can oh, let you them. Can, you can let them run the ball, right. That normally the key to a game is stopping the run, but that that you you essentially Vance Joseph's strategy was every time they run the ball is a win for us because there's right. no chance of or there's a, a, a slim chance of a big play. Yep. In just one year's time, and and keep in mind the Broncos played them very well. They have flipped their they've changed their minds one thousand percent on this. And how do you feel about it? Would you rather have the Chiefs run the ball, or would you rather have the Chiefs pass the ball? I think that every time the Chiefs run the ball, they are doing the Broncos a favor. I think so, And too. I felt – it's like I was watching CU in Oregon last week. Mm-hmm. The Buffs, their secondary was completely decimated. Mm-hmm. They are playing a true freshman behind him. They had a walk-on. I mean, it, it was uh, – I can't think of a term that isn't – is less uh, – I want to say it's an S show. It was an S show. <laughs> and I was saying, man, they're getting five yards of carry, but that's a favor to us. Right. That's it's- how I feel about the Chiefs because every time that Mahomes drops back, there's a chance of it being a touchdown. And because here's what it does. When the Chiefs run the ball, they're playing into what the Broncos want to do on offense. And the Broncos offense is saying, oh, I thank you for running another 25 seconds off the clock while gaining anywhere from – one to six yards. Thank you. It keeps the Broncos from having that magic 35 minutes of time of possession, though. There's a reason why, over the last two years, the Chiefs are 12-1 and one when they run for 100 yards. Mm. Just saying. I'll be the devil's advocate here. No, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a very interesting discussion. And I'm curious to see how it plays itself out because we know that last year the Broncos were in the game. They were even in the game on the road for a while. Um I want to see what happens if they take away the run. And and all signs point to them being able to do that, you know, the the way they've defended the run over the last two weeks. The last two weeks have been crazy. I mean, every time it's a run, it's like, okay, have your two yards. Exactly. You know? So if they're able to do that again, they're definitely going to get Mahomes in some third and eights. And <laughs> it's crazy. But when, you, when, when I watch him play, third and eight seems like absolutely nothing. I'm just like, okay. Third and eight, like, good luck. That's what I say to the defense on third and eight. Good luck. (laughs) When the Broncos are in third and eight on offense, (laughs) I'm like, wow. um, I'm just looking at the ref. Hopefully he throws a flag. Well, on third and long like that, usually a special teams coach or somebody else on the sideline will start yelling, pawn alert, pawn alert, basically telling everybody to be on guard if they don't convert it. But, you know, when it's third and three, third and four, you're thinking you're going to get out of it. Third and eight. You're saying, okay, Colby Wadman, make sure you're warmed up because you're going out there. Yeah, I mean, I, that's totally how I feel. Last week, I don't think anyone had to say anything to Colby. I think he was just, I think he was ready on first down. What was it last year that they converted? Third and 27 or something? Yeah. To, to beat the Broncos? <laughs> yep. So, I mean, there's no safe place, but it's where you want to be as a defense. And you want to put him in obvious passing situations and, and try and tee off. If the Broncos get beat, by LaShawn McCoy on the ground. I say, good job, Andy Reid. If the Broncos get beat by Patrick Mahomes because their game plan is designed to not stop Patrick Mahomes, I say, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) Like I said, I want to see it happen. 
Um, I want to see. I also want to see Alexander Johnson, AJ Johnson, playing downhill, all game. Yeah. I mean, send him mm-hmm. often. So you're saying don't have him covering Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, it's just it seems like a waste to me. Like he can't make he can't make that play. I realize that it's like you want to create the illusion that he might be able to cover them, um, but the dude is a missile when he's going north and south. So don't get cute with it. Let him go north and south. And if you wanted anyone on the team to hit Patrick Mahomes, it's AJ Johnson. To me, actually, I think don't get cute ought to be the theme for Vic Fangio on the defensive side and for Rich Gangrello on the offensive side. This is not the time to try the tight end fly sweep. This is not the time to Did you say, see, that, by the way, that the 49ers ran that to perfection the oh, other day? Yes, did. and they're three years into this offensive scheme. The Broncos are six weeks. So, so you're saying it's not a good thing to open up your offense for yeah. the very first time ever with it. I think you always have to be mindful <laughs> of the point of development at which you sit. So don't get cute. Take what's there, especially on the offensive side. On the defensive side, this is not the week to start saying, hey, let's blitz Justin Simmons. No, 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 no. Best thing you can do is have him back there patrolling, playing center field, and then when Mahomes does buy time and look downfield, maybe Simmons is in a position to make a play on the ball. I like this. Mace thinks the Broncos should do what they've done, stick to their guns, and Ryan thinks the Broncos should do what they've never done and totally change it up. Well, I mean, on, on both de- sides of the ball. <sighs> on defense, I, 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 I mean, you're just, you're just crossing your fingers. <laughs> like, like, uh, there's really not that much you can do. If you blitz, him, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you blitz right. him, maybe you get there. Most likely, he steps out. You know, he steps away from the pressure and throws to a wide open guy down the field. Yep, yep. Well, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. Let's talk about him because he's been a Bronco killer just as much as anyone else over the past few years. Eighty-three and a half receiving yards. Over. I think he's going to be the primary target on the day. And why would he not? I think over as well. He's teared it up. George Kittle's done a great job this year, but Travis Kelsey's been unbelievable as a receiver, and he's going to do it again. Under. Mm, And how? Who? Who do they put on him? How do they do it? Combination. Some safety, uh, some Todd Davis. Either way, (laughs) I know. But this defense schematically, as long as you don't have Isaac Yadam on a tight end, like was the case in week one, schematically they have contained tight ends in a way that the Broncos didn't the previous two years. This isn't the Vance Joseph defense. If you're going to put a linebacker on him, might as well go with A.J. Johnson. Just see what he can do. And if he gets beat, well, I'd rather have him get beat than Todd it's Davis. It's going to be hard for him to defend <laughs> with those short T-Rex arms. <laughs> All right, any more? Tyreek Hill receiving yards. 80, <laughs> 80 and a half. He had 80 last week. Under. Under because of Chris? Mm-hmm. Is he going to shadow him? Yes. Would you ever have Ty- Chris on the field, not on Tyreek? No. In fact, um, last week was really one of the first weeks of the season that Chris didn't have to shadow anyone just because they didn't have any threats. Um, it's funny because after the game, he was like, man. It's kind of nice not having to run sideline to sideline all day. But, no, he's not. Tyreek Hill is going to think that Chris Harris Jr. is his shadow. Yeah, and if Chris is shadowing, definitely the under. I'm more worried about Nicole Hardman. I'm going over on Tyreek. I think 
I mean, it can all happen in one play, it's, honestly. That's exactly it. I think he picks up 70, 60 of those yards in at least one play. If you said um, all-purpose yards or total uh, yards from scrimmage, I would take the over because I w- wouldn't be surprised to ha- see him break a run. And they did not use him at yep. all like that last I, week. I noticed so that. I think that's they could have been saving it for a short week. But they're also probably trying to limit hits on him because it's a shoulder thing. Right. And all it takes is one, as I've unfortunately learned with LaVisca Chenault. Right. There's a shoulder thing. All it takes is one tackle on that shoulder. All right, two more. Mahomes left-handed passes, 0.5. I have this weird <laughs> feeling that he thinks he has to give an encore mm. on that field. National TV, they're going to show the highlight 47,000 times on the broadcast. I just have this feeling that he thinks he has to do it again. With that being said, it would be a stupid bet to take the over. <laughs> under. So you're going under. Yeah. All right. So does what? what's the mind-blowing th- last one? What's the mind-blowing thing that he does? Does he? Hmm. I don't think he does anything mind-blowing. I think he just leads a game-winning drive. Yeah, that means the Broncos and were in it. For him, I guess that's uh, that's pretty routine. I say he, the mind-blowing thing he does is has a really bad game. Whoa. Whoa. And I'll give my prediction really quick, and then, and then we'll jump into our predictions for this game. I think he does one of those where he turns his back to the end zone he's going to like two or three times in a play and is like 17 to 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage and makes a play. He's, he's too hobbled for that. <laughs> I think he finds it. I think right. he finds it some way, somehow. So, Ryan, the Broncos winning this from what you just said? F it. Yep, they are. <laughs> Broncos are going to win this football game. Um, they're going to get to Mahomes early. He's going to be hobbled, and he's never going to quite find his bearings. And I think they do make some big plays on offense, and Philip Lindsay runs the heck out of the ball. Somehow, some way, the Broncos get back into this thing. I love your optimism. I think you're a little crazy. I think you had yesterday off the pod, and you just got a little too disconnected from what's going on. So what's the score? The score, my friends, is 24 to I'm confident. 21. 24 to 21. Is that, a, is that a Mahomes throws a pick at the end to seal the Broncos' victory? Is that Joe Flacco leads a game-winning drive that actually ends, you know, with maybe four seconds left instead of a minute 30 left? That is... Um, is it Butker? See their kicker? Yep. Misses a field goal at the buzzer for the Broncos to win. Isn't he, like, extremely good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like it. You're saying the Broncos do stuff they haven't done all season. And stuff happens to them that hasn't happened. <laughs> like a kicker missing at the end. So. And Patrick Mahomes having a bad game. I have to. Wow. <laughs> good luck. So, you also think they get three touchdowns. Yep. And uh, just so it's out there, Chiefs minus three and a half. So, obviously, you're taking the Broncos. That's a cover. Mace? I still can't believe it's that low, to be honest, uh, even I, though I'm on this side of things. Right. <laughs> um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked it hasn't skyrocketed to five. I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes isn't on the field at the end of the game. Mm, because they do the RK plan and look at the ankles all game, huh? Just, I think they realize that they're – they're jeopardizing their season by continuing to play him as he keeps getting hit. 
Mm, so who is it? Matt Moore? Yes, Matt Moore. What if Matt Moore? Two weeks in a row, Broncos see the backup quarterback at the end of the game. Wow. And not because of performance reasons. It's like he's going to be banged up. and, and not, not, They're not just going to bench him for no reason. But he's right. going to be hobbling around out there, and they're just going to say, get out, of the, get out of the game. Unless they decide to do a little more max protect than they have. That'd be bad news for the Broncos. <laughs> Mace, how do you see it unfolding? Well, I don't see it unfolding with a Harrison Butker miss at the end because inside of 50 yards, historically, he's hit 93.1%. Who said it was inside of 50? <laughs> I figure the Chiefs, if they're driving, they'll get to the 30-yard line. Do you have his stats up, Mace? Yes, I do. How it, who is better as of recent, further than 50, McManus or him? Well, historically, him, uh, McManus has been bad. Yeah, McManus is. Uh, well, first of all, Butker is six of ten for his career, which is since the 2017 yeah, season. So, all yep. right, interesting. I've got 2017 Chiefs. 2017 Chiefs. So you like the Chiefs, or you like the Broncos with the three? That's and a half. cover. That's a cover. Well, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's crazy that the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I thought it should be six-and-a-half, It still hasn't seven, moved. Mind-blowing. Smart people are saying this is a good line. I can't believe that because I think it's a bad line. I think the Chiefs end up winning this game. I just don't know where to put the score. I think they cover. I'll go 27-20. I know the, the Broncos play the Chiefs close, and they have the past few times, even in Kansas City, outside of the – Christmas night game in, what, 2016 that was, when Don Terry Poe was throwing touchdown passes. The Broncos have played the Chiefs close. I would not be surprised to see the Chiefs kind of take off. Andy Reid hates the Broncos, and he won't admit it. But after Peyton Manning took him to the woodshed back to back to back to back, he said, well, I want to do the same thing to the Broncos. The Broncos just kept it more competitive, so I don't think he's going to take his foot off the gas uh, like some other teams have done in the past with the Broncos. And I see Patrick Mahomes saying, I need to show the world that these five five uh, touchdowns and one interception in the past few games, that's not me. I want to put up five touchdowns. Well, let's see. There have been seven losses in this current streak against the Chiefs for the Broncos. Three of them have been by double digits. There were butt kickings. Again, you mentioned the one on Christmas night in 2016 also. Oh. The game that started this whole thing, it was 29-0 Chiefs in the fourth quarter before a couple of who-cares garbage-time touchdowns. The game where Peyton Manning... Peyton's five picks. Yeah. Yeah. He then set the, next the yards one, record, and then that was it. Or the, the Bron- Remember the Broncos had them completely beat? Um, yes, it was in 2016, Sunday Night Football. Prime time, yeah. Had them beaten, and then... Well, first of all, Benny Fowler. Benny Fowler needed you to go, gotta go down. Yeah. Go down. Don't <laughs> go be down. stupid. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Benny Fowler, the reason why he's not on this team is two really dumb plays on his part toward the end of the 2016 season. So Benny Fowler doesn't go down. You basically give the Chiefs a lifeline of possession. Bradley Roby forgets where the line to gain is, allows the Chiefs to get a first down. They score a touchdown, and then they get the two-point conversion, win in overtime. And then, do you remember, Trevor Simeon... The Broncos would have made the playoffs if it wasn't for that game. For all intents and purposes, the end of Trevor Simeon was against the Chiefs. Even though he... That was like the best game of his career, though. 
Which one? The one where he the had that, that game giveaways? we were just talking about. He threw for like three fifty and yeah. But touchdowns. I'm talk I'm talking about the one in 2017 on Monday oh, Night Football God, that was... where he couldn't stop turning the ball over. Was yes. it three picks or something? Yeah, three. Like, Jamal Charles fumbled. Yeah, as well. He was yep. actually viciously stripped by Marcus Peters, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which he found a new home. He did. Uh, yeah, Trevor was just so out of character in that game. Yeah. Like, I remember the third and final pick, I think, before he got benched, was completely across his body, like 40 yards down the field, and you're just like, what are you doing, dude? Big shout-out to Trev. Your boy. Hope he's recovering. All right, should we finish with our the rest of our picks for the AFC Raiders West? going into Green Bay. Green Bay, a six-point favorite. This is a worse. This is a terrible line. I know where you're going. Green Bay Packers. Yep, easy, easy. The Trent Brown thing now is starting to hang over the Raiders too. So the clouds of chaos are building over the Oakland facility right now. If they hold, if they not just win, but if they stay within six points, I think the Raiders are really feeling themselves moving forward. All right, final one: Chargers at Titans. Titans with a new quarterback, a new starting quarterback. Our two-point favorite. They both suck. (laughs) I love this one. Love it. I mean, the Titans are so bad. The Chargers have to cover that. That's exactly exactly how I feel. I think, and it's hard to say after watching the Chargers the past few weeks to say that this is easy, but I think this is easy. Except for the fact that the Titans' defensive line going against the Chargers' injury-riddled offensive line is a matchup that How's the, the Titans uh, should win. How's the Chargers run defense? That's really what this comes down to. Mm-hmm. If if Derrick Henry can get going, then they'll have a really good chance of winning that game. But I still like the Chargers because even in these two losses, they've played much better after craptacular starts. And I don't think they'll dig themselves the same kind of hole. I also think it's good for the Chargers to get away from L.A. It's taking a toll. Like it is truly a home field disadvantage for them yeah. because you could even see some of the quotes from players after the Steelers game. It's probably the worst, which is saying a lot. And by the way, the next Chargers home game is against Green Bay, so have fun with that. All of Wisconsin is going to be at that game. No fun. It, they need to get on the road where they expect to have a hostile crowd rather than hope to have. Whether they're at home and they hope a bunch of their fans show up and then being disappointed when they don't. They're all in their head about this. Forrest Lamp had a quote about how they were playing the other team's music. He's like, they were playing the other team's music. Yeah, because they have this habit sometimes of they'll play a song connected to the other team and then they'll stop. And or were they playing like Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa no, or something? No, they're playing <laughs> Renegade by Styx because the, fu- the, the song that gets the Steelers fired up at home in the fourth quarter they do like a montage of big hits and big plays and they play renegade by sticks it's very on brand for western pennsylvania to play a 40 some year old song like that to get everybody fired up wait so really quick though how does it benefit the chargers playing the other team's music because they're because what they're doing the the bit is that you play it for a few seconds and then you cut it off, like you, you know, the record scratch kind of thing. I don't right. think you're giving them blue f- balls. <laughs> Basically, yes. If you want to put it in those terms, absolutely. <laughs> you see Mike Tomlin just kind of crouch over on the sideline. <laughs> Never got to the drop. It would be like if, when the Chargers came here, back when they were the San Diego Chargers, 
you played San Diego Superchargers for about five seconds, then you cut it off. Huh? I mean, I don't hate the blue balls method. <laughs> I think it's a good bit. Anyways, I feel like it's in their head. They're like, they're playing their music. Like, why are you focused on that? Right. Focus on the football game. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you guys, if you're in Denver, should focus on coming to our tailgate in lot N before the game. I plan on spending a good bit of time over there before the game, so make sure you come see us. Lot N, you should be able to find it. It's the closest to – how do I put this? On the, the, north, the northernmost side of the lot, closest to the fence right there, you know, um, that, that separates it, and closest to the stadium. So, like, if you're in the lot – Go to the side of the, the lot that's closest to the stadium. You should be able to find us. I know a couple people had a problem with that last week, so sorry about that. Um, but make sure you come see us and have some Breckeridge brews because we will be drinking many of those. Well, I won't. or um, We won't, but you guys will. Man, a Thursday night primetime game. What a, There's not a better way to start the weekend. No, so go ham at the tailgate. Come see us. It'll be really fun. Uh, we can get there safely, by the way. The Decatur Federal... Light rail station is probably what three minute walk. Yeah, it's from the actually, tailgate spot, it's perfect. Yeah, it's actually a, if you do take the light rail, it's money. I've just been uh, so we usually put our stuff in the press box, put my stuff in the press box, hop on a scooter and scooter over there. It's, <laughs> it's a good time actually. Uh, also, shout out to Denver Rubber Company, a a tried and true local business. It's been around since 1972. Any projects you might have that involve rubber, they are your go to place. Uh, if you have a deadline for a large order, no problem for them. Don't hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company at one 800 or go to drcfirst.com backslash DNVR and make sure you tell them that we sent you. Talk to the people and see what they think about this game, Ryan. So let's jump into the question of the week, which is, of course, presented by Sports Column. And you know it would be a fantastic night on Thursday before the game, go to sports column in the afternoon. Have uh, ha- have shoot some ball when you're there. Have yep. some have some food. Have some tasty beverages. Uh, have some breakfast. Then come over to our tailgate to have even more Breckenridge brews. And then it's just the short little walk over to the stadium. Boy, that sounds like a winning combination right there. And real quick, with a firm shout out to sports column. Also, if you're someone who's taking work off tomorrow, maybe for the Broncos game, and you need something to do tonight. We are having an avalanche watch party at Ice House Tavern downtown, so um, I'll be there. Uh, I know quite a few members of the DNVR family will be there, so uh, make sure you swing by if you're, uh, if you're starting your weekend early. So the question of the week, brought to you by SportsCom, of course, is what's the most important thing for the Broncos to do to beat the Chiefs? And the first one coming in from Craig Lettington, he says, run, fill, run, no turnovers, cut out the penalties. It's a good formula. Next one's from Gunnar Kane, who says, I heard that if you score more points by the end of the game, you have a pretty good chance. Ha, ha, ha. Bronco tis. Run the ball and control time possession. It's like he's been reading my work. Kadri Chameleon says, keep Mahomes in the pocket. Seth says, I almost hate to agree with Ryan, but the Broncos need to remind Mahomes that his ankle isn't quite right. Get loads of pressure up the middle and let Miller and Reed clean up. And Flacco throwing for more than 200 yards would be nice. Here's what I'll say. You can say that I'm immoral in saying that, but uh, you'd be ignorant of the fact that it was 100% being brought up in the Broncos' defensive meeting rooms. Just saying. Yeah, They're reminding him that he has an ankle. Mm-hmm. I know. It's just I find it ethically wrong. 
It's not something you should espouse. You're getting into Greg Williams territory. It's what happens. It's football. <sighs> Be better. Be better, guys. Be better than that. Chris Stone, zero turnovers by Denver. Zach G says, sweet fill behind Jano down their throat. Jano. Love Jano. <laughs> Bronco Tiz, run the ball and control the time of possession. Rachel says, control the clock. Yep. I think Bronco Tiz got two reads, by the way. Oh, good for Bronco yeah. Tiz. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done at get real serious. Score more points than the chefs. Michael Kicken says, Devontae Harris and Duke Dawson playing well. Bronco Broad says offensive line has to do their jobs and stop the stupid penalties. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. You really have to avoid penalties in this game (laughs) because this team is just not good enough to convert first and 15. Nope. Nope. So that's on Garrett Bowles and Ron Leary. More recently, Ron Leary. Stop holding. Uh, Karen says play more explosive on offense, not this conservative play scared game management crap. I like with a thought. You just have to be careful with getting too crazy with it. Vegas Broncos fan. Constant pressure on Pat. Similar to the AFC championship game versus Brady when he was seeing ghosts by the end. Hard to throw no-look passes when you are taking a beating. One thing I'll say. We've talked about how the Broncos won that AFC championship game as much with interior pressure as pressure from the edge rushers. Well, Sunday, what did you see that really you hadn't seen since the salad days of Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf work, working together. Interior, Interior pressure. Interior pass rush, and it's the best way to break down a quick, decisive, quick strike passing offense and a quick strike quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. That's your shot. Left off chimes in and says, trade for Trent Williams. Mm. Looks like the Cleveland Browns may be doing that. Really? Yep. R- report out there, or rumor from a reporter saying that he will be on their roster very soon. Makes smart. a lot of sense. Yeah, smart. And if your Browns are ever going to catch my bills, they're going to need to do that. <laughs> uh, Kevin Gooney says, run 50 times. Is that like is that the number that you guys have in your head? No. No. How many How many <laughs> runs? I ha- It's a percentage. It's uh, anything north of 50, preferably 55%. And I'll say 30 runs. I think you're going to need more. Not 50 is hard to get to. 50 is very hard. Unless you're like Air Force. Have they done 30 runs this year? I don't know if they've done Mm, that. I don't think so. So it would be even a stretch for them. It's certainly... I'm running the ball on first and second down as long as I possibly can. And then throwing it deep third down? And then you're either a three and out or you're a deep pass? I'm, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not throwing it deep until first down on the other side of the 50. Okay. And then every time. Because there's no the risk there is is a lot smaller. It's just a punt, if they even if they pick it. But good luck intercepting Cortland Sutton. Anyways, Preston Epley, Flacco needs to be better. Plain and simple. At this point, he's playing like an overpaid and subpar Trevor Simeon. Frankly, I'd feel more confident going into this game with T.S. Because at least he had the potential of a four-touchdown game. No, that's what uh, I'm talking about. Take back Trev. everything you just said. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps it up for the question of the week presented by Sports Column. Let's get into the questions from the subscribers. And the first one, wow, this is a long thread. The first one comes in from Lasagna Lance. It says, guys, I know it sounds terrible, but I truly believed if you tried it, dunking your PB&J in milk will change your life. I'm not telling you to go for a seven-minute soak. 
I'm just saying a quick dip and a bite. I grew up doing it, and my wife was appalled when she saw me doing it. Now, after four years of marriage, she's a dunker. Don't <laughs> knock until you try it. Yeah, this is commented yesterday, Ryan, and both Mason and I said, no, thank you. Really? Yeah, because here's the thing about dunking a cookie in milk is then it gives it like an appropriate, not even sog, just a little wetness. If you just touch a PB&J in milk, it is, boom, soggy to it, the wind. It's like disgusting. cereal. It's been in milk for an hour. Right. Seven minutes soak. Um, right. I, it's terrible. I, I'm willing to try it, though. I mean, it's one bite of your PB&J. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a glass of milk on the side anyway. I'm a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast. I'm not willing to sacrifice that one bite. You can only, only do it if you have, like, the most whole wheat grainy bread. If you do, like, some and then why would bread, you do that? it's going to absorb just, just, the heck You guys out just have to it. try it. That's the rule. You have to try everything once. But here, here yeah, I'll, I'll try it. But here's the thing about trying it with like a, a Wonder Bread thing is it'll just absorb all of the milk all the way to the top of your sandwich and then your sandwich is ruined. No, you're so dramatic. <laughs> um, a couple. Oh, I actually skipped over one. But one yeah. person chimed in and said, uh, I'm going to try this tonight. Sounds horrible. But I put <laughs> chips in my PB&J. Why? Why not? Like cheesy chips? I mean, no, no I, maybe like, like potato, potato chips. Chi- just regular potato chips. Maybe this is sort of the poor man's version of the Primanti Brothers sandwich in Pittsburgh where they stuff Not the fries yeah. in with the cheesesteak. Yeah. I had one in Indianapolis. You're not a fan? Didn't do it for me. Okay, I have to admit I like the Primanti Brothers sandwich. It's too salty. It was what, good. What did you get? Did you get like uh, beef, cheesesteak? What did you get? Uh, I think I got like corned beef. That's the problem. I think that's you what sh- I got, too. Don't get corned beef. Or maybe it was, um, what's the other thing that's kind of like corned beef? Pastrami, maybe I got. I don't corned know. beef is terrible. It was freaking huge, though. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. didn't do it. Okay. It, needs more, it needed more sauce. And then I tried to put hot, like a hot sauce on it, and that, that didn't really mix well. But so you won't the, be joining me at, Pit, at Permanis in Indianapolis <laughs> for the combine, then, I guess? I mean, I'm always willing to give everything a second try. But you're the hot sauce on Italian sandwich guy. Hot sauce on everything. <laughs> Except for this. We found the one thing it well, doesn't PB go and on. PB&J? Uh, well, yeah. But that. I guess like, I can see how the chips on the PB&J is the same principle because you have something that's potato-based. I think it's more you just get the crunch in there. I can see it. It kind of replaces a crunchy... Um, peanut butter. But you why know, crunchy we, peanut butter is trash anyway? Thank you. Crunchy peanut <laughs> no butter way. is awful. There was one I'm time. I'm trying to eat peanuts. I yeah. want peanut butter. We ex- we accidentally bought it at home and I dealt with it for about a week and I'm like, no, this is terrible. Uh, but then it's just it's just all mush. You're eating mush with a PB and J. It's not mush. I need the crunch to give me something that it's like. My girlfriend eats her ice cream and there's just <laughs> like you know chews it and there's just nothing to chew there. Like you don't you don't have to chew it with the PB and J. If you don't have the crunch, then you don't need to chew it. You just Maybe. like you know just kind of rub your tongue on the top <laughs> of your mouth and kind of just dissolve it. What she's not sa- you don't think maybe she's savoring every bite? No, because because then you, 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 it's just like you're trying to get it down. You're like I'm like have chills down my spine <laughs> thinking of biting ice cream. I'm just I haven't had I honestly haven't had crunchy peanut butter in probably ten years. My mom used to buy it. Ever since I'm, I moved out of my parents' <laughs> house, I've never had it ever again. So is that growing up is when you go from crunch peanut butter? To well, no, like because you, I get ha- to, you buy the groceries now, so you get to make the choice. Well, and also, I mean, I never liked crunch. I didn't, I didn't like crunchy peanut butter when I was four years old. I mean, I've honestly, always been a smooth guy. Peanut butter is an incredible thing. And if it's not like I would ever turn down a PB&J if it had crunchy peanut butter. Could you eat nothing but PB&J for a month? 100%. I could too. Yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> PB and J challenge, we all come back. Uh, I don't know what would be wrong with us, but we probably wouldn't make it. Next one coming in from Jewel Flacco. He says, how many more games do the Broncos win if they kept Prater? We make the playoffs in 16 when he makes the kick against the Chiefs. No. Drops, which says not very many. Jewel Flacco responds to that and says, you missed my comment on yesterday's pod. Is there any way that Vic's interview by John didn't consist of a lot of questions about how he'd stop Mahomes and the Chiefs? Okay, so that was different. Well, I think with Vic Fangio, the fact that he saw that offense or a descendant of it every day in practicing Chicago. Oh, I haven't even thought about that all week. Is something that could give a tactical advantage. That being said, the Matt Nagy Chicago offense is clearly the Xerox copy of the Chiefs, and the Xerox copy is usually inferior to the original. Yeah, the original's in, in color and stuff, and this Xerox copy is in black and white. Yes. And the Xerox copy has, what, Chase Daniel with it right now? Oh, and the God. original has Patrick Mahomes. The, yeah. Um, I don't think the Broncos, I don't think having Prater changes anything. Maybe one more game over the last few years, and that's it. Brandon but he's McManus. talking about that Brandon McManus field goal against the Chiefs. In the game that we've been talking See, about, I don't. I, I think was maybe, like a, he was kicking off frozen tundra from sixty yards. That's why I'm not even pointing to that game. I'm saying that maybe you win against the Texans last year, perhaps if Matt Prater is your kicker. Here's not that th- Prater was perfect. I mean, right. remember uh, right. in the playoff game against Baltimore when he was basically kicking off, you know, kicking a brick and uh, caught a clump of dirt. I mean, that can happen to any kicker. Yeah, here's the thing is Brandon McManus has been flirting with as the best kicker in Broncos history in terms of accuracy. So maybe Prater makes one that McManus didn't make, but just the numbers would say that Prater probably misses one that McManus doesn't make. I think the point of it was that there was that year in 2014, but you didn't really have like – the Seahawks game was close, but that really wasn't part and parcel with McManus. But – there was that year where you went with McManus struggling and then Connor Barth. Oh, yeah. Down the stretch. I heard Connor Barth was a real breath of fresh air. He's a surfer. Very laid-back guy. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was missing a pun there or something. No, I I, I just... Uh, Connor Breath? <laughs> no, no. No, he was actually no. a really good dude, though. I mean, I, 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 heard he I can a, actually see I heard see he was how... a D-bag in the locker room. I was oh. being you know, oh. facetious oh. there. Wow. <laughs> not, not, not what I heard. Okay. Next one coming I in I trust from... you, Mace. You were there. It's true. Next one coming in from Drops, which says, Hey, guys, happy Taco Tuesday. Or what would this be? What? Uh, when... Wing Wednesday. Wing Wednesday. Even though it's no longer Tuesday when this is read. So let's use our imagination. If the Broncos continue to dominate on the defense and keep most opponents under 14 points this season, the offense continues to struggle to score touchdowns but still kicks three to five times a game under Flacco. Do you think they will stay with Flacco or eventually try Locke once he returns to practice and shows them promise in practice? It's really sad the defense is finally where they want to be and Chubb is out for the season and not part of it. Also, will Bryce ever play this season? Unfortunately, I think they would stay with Flacco in that scenario. Here's the thing. Because if they're winning, especially if they're winning games... We got a huge, huge hint about that this week. The Broncos are not activating uh, any of their IR guys, any of the three that can return right now. They're not bringing them back to practice, which means that they're delayed another week before they know. They can, br- they can still bring him back any time in that two-week window. When they can be you active know, has not changed. I'm pretty sure you have to practice 
two weeks. Two right? weeks before no, you can I think, come back. Well, no, you can. You have to be. You have to sit out eight games. Hmm. But okay, uh, uh, we're, we might have to do another explainer. Yeah, on this. yeah, yeah. You have to sit out eight games, but there's no reason why you could. You, once you get past that eight games, you couldn't just say, "Oh, well, we're going to play him right now," even though he hasn't practiced. I, you don't have. You don't have to. Practice. It's it's you have the option of practicing him, but you don't have to. Interesting. We have to look into that a little further. Well, it's like yeah. in it's like with the uh, pup guys when you bring them off. Once you there's a window that you can bring him back at any point after that. But then remember you have the three week practice window. Mm-hmm. Well, once they're eligible to return to the 53 man roster, you could bring him back at any time in that window. You could say, okay, one day, oh, you're good. You're gonna play. To, you're gonna play this game. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, it actually doesn't change. I, I believe it does not change when they can come back. It simply is that they start the window a week later because you have that two-week window to have them practicing, and then you have to make a decision. Well, I hope that's the case because then that means Drew Locke can still be back by week nine. If, this actually changed nothing. If it was the way that I understood, which – Again, I'll check, but I, I do trust Mace. Then that kind of tells you a, a little bit about how they feel about this. Is they don't, They're not clamoring for Drew Locke. And Mark, they, how, yeah. the, how could they right now? They've won two in a row. Right. Yeah. Mark Shippers. Hi, guys. I'm obviously from the great state of Kansas. Hoxie is my hometown. Now live 30 miles west in Colby, which, as Mace knows, is on I-70. Mace, I would say that the line that divides the two fan bases is west of Colby, so basically just the very far western counties in Kansas is that the Denver number of fans greater than the KC number. My class in high school had 17 kids. I would estimate four would say they were Denver fans, 13 KC. The video I attached yesterday shows it well. Did you guys watch that video? Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know about uh, the Broncos fans in Kansas. Yeah, well, four, ca- four counties in Kansas are in the mountain time zone. Uh, yes, because, all in western Kansas because of all those mountains over there in well, western Kansas. It's where basically it starts rising. I think Colby, Kansas, which is still in central time zone, but just barely. Colby, Kansas, is at an elevation of I believe just over thirty one hundred feet. Okay. So if you you guys have made that drive, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Many times. It's a very long, boring rise into the high prairie until basically you get to a mile high in Denver. Yeah, you never like go up a hill. It doesn't feel that way, but you're for hours you're very gradually going up. Right. Yeah, it's almost imperceptible. And speaking of Kansas, next one here is from Mile High Kansas, who says, gentlemen, I appreciate the Kansas shout out. (laughs) I live in Inman, Kansas, which is a small town of 1,200 in between Hutchinson and McPherson. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty well central Kansas, but we actually have a good portion of Broncos fans in the area. But it's still, unfortunately, chumps territory. <laughs> Fun fact, I work in Wichita and happen to work with Devontae Harris's aunt. Nice. So the last two weeks have been fun at work as well. Love you guys and go DNVR. Well, something I pointed out yesterday is that the Broncos radio network does have an affiliate in Wichita. Oh. They've got a bunch of affiliates in western Kansas, but Wichita you'd call... South Central Kansas. Okay. Aunt, huh? Yes. Aunt? Aunt. No, she's not a small six-legged <laughs> creature. But then you're not embracing the Colorado, um, what's it What's it called? 
accent. Yeah, you're not embracing the Colorado accent. Wait, Ant is Ant. not just Colorado though. But it's but it goes along with the Colorado mantra of just making things easier, dropping dropping letters that do exist. Yeah, for me, it, it, I'm not always that way. It just sounds more. Just like you just Clear. said, you're not always that way. No, always. Like I have, uh, <laughs> like one of my aunts. See, we call her Auntie A, not okay. Auntie A. Okay. Yeah, that would seem very uh, like 1800s. Yeah. Auntie A. Yeah, exactly. No. Auntie. So, but when for some reason when I read it like that, I just I feel weird saying aunt, because and again it's just I, not right. I okay. know I'm wrong. So. Aunt is used in Northern England, Scotland, Western Canada, and most American dialects, including the general American dialect some parts of the south they'll say ain't i've never i've never said that i would have no idea Aunt what someone's talking about is new england and the maritime provinces of calendar uh, of canada i'm reading this off of uh, a like a quora uh, question someone asking this kind of about worldwide where do they say aunt where do they say ant huh, interesting next one coming in from tom mercury World connections. You can't spell Loveland, Colorado without DNVR. Pierre Edward Belmare. Did I get that right? Nope. You didn't. <laughs> Is from Paris. Abs current for. Oh, can you help me with that? It's Pierre Edward Belmar. Belmar. Okay, yeah, close enough. Is from Paris. Abs current fourth line center who scored a goal against the Boston Bruins. And obviously, the Abs came from Quebec in 1995, the year the Colorado Avalanche won a Stanley Cup in their inaugural season, 95 and 96. Y'all were so spoiled getting a team straight out of the blocks that won the Stanley Cup while the rest of us in places like, oh, say, Tampa had to deal with a crap expansion franchise. Literally, for my first 10 years of being a hockey fan, I didn't know it was possible for the Abs to not win their division. It was hmm. so much I'm sure it was. You get a ready-made championship team. I mean, you didn't have to go through the suffering, the pain, the anguish, the defeats. Y'all were spoiled. And it's why the Avs have such an ironclad fan base, because they just came in and they took a chunk of the town and, and never let them go. If it was ironclad, where were all the people when they were losing? They were there still. I mean, obviously, the, it goes down, but not, I mean, not based on the games I was at. If you go look at uh, the the numbers on what was then BSN Denver during that forty eight point season, they were still great. On they the were apps. reading. They weren't going to the games. Well, I mean, do you blame them? I'm just saying. Gonna, There's if you, no, if you're really I, all in, if if it's that ironclad, they would have stop. kept selling out. They they still sell out games in Toronto, and the Leafs are ter- were terrible for years. It doesn't. It's just different. Big shout out to Rockies fans for showing up this year, even for a massively disappointing team. Well, it's Coors Field. It's Colorado. It's the summertime. It's a beautiful place to be outside. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to blame any fan base for not spending their hard-earned money on watching a trash team. I just I can't do that. He says, fun fact, Patrick Waugh was not the original Avalanche goalie. Oh, I knew that. Do you know who it was? Stefan Fissette and Jocelyn Thibault. There you go. Yes. Well, I, I had all the NHL games back in the day. That was back when I was playing a lot more video games. And so, I mean, I can, it's easy for me to rattle off, like, mid-90s NHL rosters like that. So, the Manning-faced yeah, God. Of course, the Avs traded for Patrick Wall. Yes, they did. In the, right, right before the deadline of that 95-96 season. From the Manning-faced God. Hey, guys, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but Bleacher Report suggested the Broncos should trade for Cam this offseason, if they decide to move on from him, what do you guys think is that possible? If Cam ever got back to his 2015 form before Vaughn destroyed him, imagine that rushing attack with Cam 
and Lindsay. By the way, I'm a Locke fan. I really hope Locke is the real deal. We already <laughs> not happening. He's not getting up. back to his form. It's not a good idea. If you're trading for Cam, you're not seeing Locke. Ever. No. Well, he probably a, goes in the trade. Yes. It's another kick the can down the road type move. I'm sick of the band-aids. I want this team to find its young quarterback and ride with him, accept the bumps, this and then have the reward of, of having the same quarterback who hopefully leads you for 10 to 15 years and helps define your franchise, even though they didn't draft Elway technically the way Elway did. This isn't even kicking the can down the road. It's kicking the can backwards. Right. <laughs> like, if you asked me who I wanted to start tomorrow, Joe Flacco or Cam Newton, I would take Flacco. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say Joe Flacco struggles. Let's say he gets hurt. God forbid. But let's say he has an injury. This team is in the Andy Dalton market, isn't it? No. For the love of God. No. <laughs> That's my fear, that they just keep saying, well, let's get another veteran. Let's get another veteran. This, this, we got to get that hit. we got to get that guy. This team, uh, this offense needs arm strength, and Dalton doesn't have it. Joe Flacco doesn't use that arm strength much. It's true. Next one coming in from Dropswitch says, so happy Ramsey was not traded to the Chiefs. I'm not sure Jalen Ramsey wanted to go live in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, I doubt he did. Good barbecue, though. Oh, that sounds good. Right <laughs> from Jake Chris, come on, guys. What are we doing? Aspiring for 7-9 and nine is crazy. Get better Jimmys and Joes. Draft capital is so much more valuable than three more wins. If we go 7-9, and nine, always going to trade for Cam Newton. Seems like something he would do. How is this being <laughs> talked about like this? Um... <laughs> I understand like I told I've been on the tank train so it's not like I'm you know I'm anti that thought, uh that line of thinking it's just I feel like I've learned that the the losing and the losing culture and all that stuff that comes with losing t double digit games in a season is not healthy for this team I realize it's it's a it's more of a long-term view in the short term you'd rather have the top five pick I just personally think I don't want that infectious losing style getting into Dalton Reisner and Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton. Actually, the wouldn't Ryan. the long-term view be to want the top five pick? Well, it's both. But, I mean, you get the short-term satisfaction of having a great player when you get the high draft pick. Ryan, you put this out there on Monday about wanting the team to go 7-9, and 8-8 nine, eight and eight, instead of getting a high draft pick. And you weren't here to defend yourself yesterday. And a lot of people did come to your defense. But Mason and I... Still disagree. And I agree with what Jake Chris is saying is for the long haul, it's better to have good players because how do you get the winning culture? How do you truly get the winning culture? Going seven and nine, eight and eight, which is Mason I pointed out, is not a winning culture. And the other thing is seven and nine, eight and eight, if you miss the playoffs, it's all the same as five and eleven. Right. No, or it's wait, not. wait, really, really quick though. Or do you get a winning culture by getting great players? And then you're not just flirting with seven and nine, eight and eight, six and ten, five and eleven, back to back to back to back to back seasons, Oof. and taking you know one game steps up at a time. No, you're getting great players that that totally change the build of this team. And you look what the Broncos have done when they've been bad recently; they've capitalized and they've got a lot of good players. And that's that's just why I don't I don't think a you know doing two games better is now all of a sudden this great winning culture that you take into the future. Being Having the 14th pick doesn't really change your outlook as much as that much from having the 10th pick. Really good. It, it really could. It could. The Broncos willingly 
went from 10 to 21 last year. And did we like it? Well, in the long run, I mean, it depends on Drew Locke, really. But in the end, to me, you have to get on the right track. Look, uh, from the trail of 4-12 and 12 to the Super Bowl, the Broncos win 8-8. Eight and eight. You have to take a step eventually. I, I admit that my view is colored by the past and the teams I've followed in my football journey. But I ask myself this. In 1989... Who would I have rather had for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Broderick Thomas, who they got, or Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, or Deion Sanders, who they could have had if they had not beaten the Detroit Lions 21-10 in the regular season okay. finale of the 1988 season. But yeah, when you're 3-12, and 12, that one win doesn't do anything for you. What I'm talking about right now is establishing a, a winning as a habit from Game 5 to Game 6. 16. The better way to establish winning as a habit is to get better players. But you can still get good players. It's not like all of a sudden you win a few games and you can't get good players anymore. And you the other get, thing is you have to find out about Drew Locke how about, how about you this? have a losing season. I'm sorry. You, you want to point to that Buccaneers season. I'll point to a different season. I would prefer that the Broncos have gone 8-8 eight and eight in 2011 and been able to attract Peyton Manning so they could then go win the Super They went 4-12 that year. But they made the year. playoffs. It's different when you make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, it's fine. It makes it's the 8-8 eight eight season if you miss the playoffs. That's what's worth bupkis. I disagree. You have to win football games eventually. And it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to establish winning as a habit. And, Wait, really? and, and you know what? If Let's say that Broncos team had gone 5-11, and 11, but it's still gotten Peyton Manning. It wouldn't happen. Peyton would have never come to a 5-11 and 11 team. Mace, was it Aaron Rodgers' first full season as a starter when they went 6-10? and 10? Yes. And then they took the huge step? Mm-hmm. You can do it. You, you can, you, you for don't, sure. You don't need to take that middle step. But mm, The middle step helps a lot. You don't, you don't but need also to. The, what what, what were they the year to. before that, 6-10? and 13-3. and three. Okay, they never had Brett, a losing culture. That was Brett Favre's last season. 6-10 and 10 is definitely. It's one bad season. It's definitely a losing culture. No, no. Losing culture is developed Multiple over time. Years. It doesn't just happen overnight. But the best way to fix culture is with better players. But and here's the thing is you, you, have you can make the turnaround. You need the quarterback and you need to find out if Drew Locke is the guy and they're they're simply not going to do it. Unless I, I, I did say that there's, you know, the small chance that I love the seven and nine, eight and eight, and that's if the Broncos don't win another game until Drew Locke comes back and then they win every game. Bingo, that's when, that's the seven Locke and nine back. I'm ecstatic with. But that's the only way. I am so afraid that in ninety four seven percent of these possibilities that we don't see drew lock if they go seven and nine eight and eight and then you just don't know what you have in drew lock it means john elway probably says look at this winning culture we've established we went what eight and four in the final 12 games of the season and look we got joe flacco for the future and i'm not going to be fooled i'm not going to put myself in that mindset again of maybe he can be 2013, 2014 Joe Flacco. I'm, I don't want to bank on that again. Yeah, my problem is if they're sitting there at 6-8, and eight, coming back home for those last two weeks of the season, and they say, we want to try to get to 8-8, eight and eight, so we're going to play Joe Flacco. Well, at that, that point... That would be, I mean, that would just be idiotic. That, that, exactly. That notion needs to be napalmed into the sun. Here's the thing, though. Let's say they do bring Drew Locke in. That's not enough of an evaluation. Two games does not do it. Well, it should give you a, a, an, an idea. idea. You start getting an idea. With two games, I don't think you decide whether whether you're moving on from him or you're drafting a guy next year. Well, you're if you're six and eight, regardless of what you're going to do, you're not going to be high enough in the draft to get a quarterback anyway, or a good quarterback. Well, you could. You don't trade. like Joe Burrow? 
No. You could trade. A lot of teams do it. A lot of teams make right. a big and, jump. And exactly. And you could trade from 14 when you go 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9. and nine. Costs you more to trade from 14 than it does from 10. Yeah, but at least you've won some football games. You don't just win overnight. So what you're saying, though, is a winning culture, put that in quotes because I don't even think it's that winning of a culture, is more important than this isn't a first-round pick, this like isn't dealing a, a future first-round pick to I would up. trade next year's first-round pick for a winning culture. This isn't about winning culture, though. Ooh. This is about eradicating losing culture. It doesn't just, okay, just like you said, losing culture doesn't go away. A, this or, or a winning culture doesn't go away in one season. A losing culture will not go away because you go seven and nine or eight and eight. It won't. It will. If you go, if you go twelve and four, it will. If you if go, you, four, if you're great, no, no, if you're no, no, still no. a losing team or an okay. eight and eight team, it won't go. First away. of all, I think what? the whole culture thing is overrated. Second of all, if you want to get rid of said culture, don't you have to start by excising those responsible for the defeats? For and sure. that and means you gotta happen, have. Na- that's that gonna happen you, naturally, right? But that means you gotta have enough capital, whether it's cap space, cash budget for free agents, or draft capital to go and get guys that can replace the ones that you're pushing out. All I'm saying is this team going four and twelve will be so bad for them long term in terms of the psyche of the players in that locker room. You guys have been in there. You see what it looks like after they lose versus how they win. It's unhealthy to lose like that. And you start caring. You start trying to care less about football because you don't want to be depressed the next week. If they go 4-12, and that means they've found out that Drew Locke probably isn't the guy. So what if that 4-12 and means you've got an elite quarterback prospect coming in? That changes everything. Doesn't it? And then by also, the way, I'm I'm I have to admit I'm starting to change my mind on Justin Herbert. He looks good, but I mean he was throwing. I mean he didn't. Right, have to but do much. I've gone back and watched a couple of his earlier games since last Friday. I, I'm he, trending down on all of them. He looks better. He he's made the adjustments that I want him to make. He 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 definitely looks better than last year. I'll give him full yeah. credit for that. But Hurts uh, didn't look good against a, a defense. Um, Fromm looked absolutely terrible. I, yeah. I, he shouldn't be picked in the first round. I mean, the, the play um, calling isn't doing him any favors right now. I need to see but. more Joe Burrow, to be honest. So I'm not going to pass judgment on him. Tua's Tua, looking pretty fine. You Tua know, looks great, yeah. but uh, it's He's so hard to evaluate Tua. I mean, Tua's a dolphin. I mean, I, you just got to let that one go. Once the once Miami lost to Washington, they're going to have the number one overall pick. And that's Tua's another thing. Going is going like, to be a dolphin. I think the Broncos' floor is probably about four and twelve, and that's, that's gonna, the Justin Herbert category. That's going to get you probably five, fifth overall pick, um, or fourth. I think the floor to this team is now five and eleven. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, you. I'm telling you guys, you don't want this this losing to become a habit for these young players. That's the one thing you have right now is this young foundation, and I I, from a fan perspective, five years ago I would have never thought it made a difference. Every loss takes a serious toll on these guys, and when they pile up into double digits, it is not healthy. But it all again, this all comes back to playing Drew Lock. If they go seven and nine and get Drew Lock out there for a couple of games, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, my me too. my problem I'm, I'm, is I'm not saying they shouldn't. My, my play problem Drew is seven and nine or eight and eight, and Drew Lock has zero reps. The second that they are eliminated from the playoffs, they should play Drew Lock. It shouldn't even be a question. And if they don't, they're idiotic. But do you trust them? I think they have to be so bad in order to realize that because I think John is going to do what you're saying. He's going to chase 
the mediocrity. He's going to chase being better than last year. He's going to chase, uh, you know, trying to to consider himself not a loser anymore. This is an organization that John's been in for 30 years that hasn't had back-to-back losing seasons since last year. He's not going to just say, okay, well, I'm okay with having losing seasons back-to-back-to-back years. He's going to say, no, I really want to get this losing out of the way and chase that, and that means not playing Drew Locke, and then that means also feeling like 8-4 and in their last 12 games or 7-5 and in their last 12 games is good enough to propel themselves to the future to say we're keeping all of these guys who we should let go. We're not going to go into a rebuild. We're going to keep some of these guys around and just try for one more year because, heck, we had a a Uh one game better, two games better than last year. We're going to do that again. Then we'll be 9-7, 10-6. I hate it. I I have 1,000% confidence that if they are eliminated from the playoffs, Drew Locke will start. What gives you that confidence? Because they they realize what they have to learn, and that's that Drew Locke is or isn't the guy. This is the organization that wouldn't play – Paxton Lynch that was in the Gary Week 17 final. I'm just, John I'm just Elway saying, wanted to play Paxton They've got to show me something different. Well, here's That's not the organization, I'm, though. You're, you're, you're bending the truth. That was Gary Kubiak. Here's, here's this coaching staff, though. It's Rich Gangarello last week saying how important it is for Drew Locke to not play. But again, that's Rich Gangarello. John Elway has the power. He will make sure Drew Locke plays. And John Elway could have made sure that, that Paxton He did everything well. he could. How do you know? He could have fired Gary Kubiak. He at sits halftime. in the coach's booth, and well, he's sitting in the coach's booth. You could say, "Hey, you got to get Paxton out there right now." Also, at he the beginning, did of, do that at the beginning of the game. Before, during that game or leading up to that game, John Elway could have said Paxton Lynch is the starting quarterback. He did do that. He did not behind closed doors. He he would have been the starting quarterback if he did that. It's not what I heard. Gary would have retired a week before. No, I, I'm not going to get too into the weeds on what actually happened there. But that is not my, my understanding of what happened. Anyways, it's a good discussion. I think in the end, the Broncos believe, will get back there, and we'll see if it pays off for them. I can't believe you're doing this to me, Ryan. I can't believe you're going for 7 and 9, 8 and 8, shooting for the stars. You have to take a step. You have to take a step forward. I've seen those steps forward become steps backward, though. Oh, yeah. They can. You, I mean, it, it, it all, it, that's the point. It guarantees nothing in the future, and neither does getting a high draft pick. Right. So, so get the, the high draft. Just, so get the better pick in every round. Get more draft capital, and as the original commenter said, you can maybe have a better chance of getting better Jimmys and Joes. The, the draft pick it guarantees you nothing. It simply gets you a better shot, better odds of finding that transformative player. Either way, nothing is guaranteed. To me, it is more important to establish winning and, and, and not even to eradicate losing. You have to stop losing from becoming a habit. All right, we have and, to move on. And good players help with that. And you can still get good players. I love it how he said we have to move on. And then you had to get your final jab, your final will, shot in I there. I will get the last word here. Uh, I mean, we got to keep, we got, we got things to do, guys. Come on. It all comes down to the management and you, you have to manage things the right way. All right, before we move on, we might be fighting, but we're still smiling. And <laughs> if you want a great smile, you got to hit up Green Mountain Dental. Taking care of your teeth is so important, and the people at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, or exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth, and Green Mountain Dental will hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online 
or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. By the way, before we move on, no. yeah, I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> you know how we posted the, the 7 and 9, 8 and 8 type discussion on Twitter a couple of days ago mm-hmm. after our Monday podcast? Right as we're talking about this, I see a tweet from Stuart Roche that says, Mace talking sense here. <laughs> there you go. Next I one. Fe- I feel like most people in those uh, comments were on my side. Stop it. We're moving on. Next one coming in from Nick Geyer. He says, "Hey guys, I don't like to comment much, but just wanted to say the coverage is awesome, and Andrew's edition has been miraculous. Also, go listen to the last two minutes in, on the Denver Sports Podcast in half speed. You won't regret it, and I dare you not to laugh. Love to everyone. Go Broncos. Everything in half speed or double speed is always funnier. Yep." Yeah, including our argument. Yeah, that, yeah, that one. It'll just take ten hours and have speed. <laughs> yeah, True Champ fan twenty four. I think my comment got skipped. So here goes. I'd love to hear y'all's answers on this, fellas. My buddy asked me a very painful question yesterday. See if y'all have time to play along. If you blew this entire roster up, but could only keep six players, three from each side of the ball, and each of those three could not be the three best players on on that side. What? what kind of game is this? I.e., no Phil, Reisner, and Sutton for the offense going forward. This Who is, do you keep much love? This is not a painful question. It's just a dumb game. <laughs> well, I think what he's saying is, okay, get beyond the obvious. What, okay, Connor so you, McGovern. So you take the th- the the next three, the six best. So you on, take the bottom three of the six best. So yeah. you basically say on offense, for example, Lindsey Sutton and Reisner are out of. Play. So you'd say perhaps Noah Fant, because you'd hopefully yeah, yeah. use him properly for sure. Connor McGovern, Royce Freeman. Connor McGovern has played better than Matt Paradis this year. Yep, crazy enough, and probably Royce Freeman. Yep. So oh, there you go. Oh, God, that's terrible. You feel great about it. You feel terrible <laughs> about that. So who are your defensive What guys? about, I mean, uh, I might just take a flyer on Juwan James being good. Um, Healthy. It's not that he's not a yeah. good tackle. It's that he just can't get on the field. He's an average tackle that's out half the time. Yeah, and, and very rich. But on defense, um, like, who would you say your top three are? Okay, so Chris, you've got Chubb, Vaughn. Chris, and Vaughn. Yep. Those are yes. the top three. So your next one will be Kareem. Kareem. Would you say Justin? Justin. Cream, Justin, sure. And AJ Johnson. AJ Johnson, Mike Purcell. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with AJ Johnson. Oh, yeah. boy, that's a gamble, but hey, it could end up being great. Let's Dude, see what that I've... guy. It's the energy, it's the fire that he has. Field. Yeah, it's that, the dyno mentality. They, you know what? That he brings a certain panache, a certain swagger. He's a dog. Remember how Keith Lee talked about dogs and yep. they said, oh, we don't have any dogs in the locker room after, you know, yep. Keith had moved on. AJ's a dog. Are you sure he's not a thug? As, of course, as Von Miller said, Todd Davis Von Miller th- called Todd Davis a thug. Dog. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> Nothing else. Bam, bam. I'll take um, AJ Johnson over Todd Davis any day. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> what it takes to be a thug, but... Uh, Anyways, next one comes in from Iceman. Hey, boys, great pod. Still missed RK. Zach, you had a shout-out from the boys on the Crush Report fan cast this week. Hey, oh, yes, of course. thank you. 7-9 in 2019 or any reason is not what Mr. B or John would ever accept, nor the Volan family now. It's playoffs or bust. Go Broncos and DNVR. Toast the Chiefs. Well, we're going to have a few of those comments, so we can't dive into our argument every time we hear those comments, or it'll be a five-hour pod. 
Next one coming in from Three Finger Jack. He says, hey, guys, do you think by the end of the Broncos season they have more or less wins than the Avs have before they are handed their first loss of the season? Keep up the oh. great work. So, yeah, so how does, it, how does this work? So the Avs are already 5-0. and Right. So if they lose tonight, which they won't, but I'll knock on Oh, them. and the Broncos So then the Broncos would have to get to five. Before so it's what? saying, how many will the will the Broncos be able to catch what the Avs get to undefeated as undefeated? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, that's a good question. So and they do play the Penguins tonight. So it's the Penguins Pittsburgh, are a good team. Florida, and then Tampa Bay. So they're I, probably not going to go undefeated mm-hmm. on this road. Trip. I think they'll lose the Lightning on Saturday. So that would be Six. seven. <laughs> 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 oh god! It comes around. I no. mean, I'm gonna take the the no. The Broncos <laughs> don't catch it because there's still a chance that the Avs go 16 and 0. So uh, it's yeah. true. I'm gonna go no because no matter what you want, whether you want the Broncos to win seven games or two games, it's gonna be tough. Whether your quarterback's Drew Locke, whether it's Joe Flacco, it's gonna be tough. I mean, to so get much to rest seven on wins. just this week. Yes. Oh. This you pull off this upset, and now I mean you pull off this upset, and nine and seven becomes something not only possibility yeah. possible but but very realistic. You lose this game, you are in the five and eleven, six and ten conversation. If and you that's lose, it. Uh, you're even worse than that. Yeah, maybe that's when four wins is realistic. Wow, Count Flacula, am I the only guy clamoring for a wacky late night pod from the Power Trio? Grant, I'm a creature of the night, but I can't wait for another pod where the Breck Brews are driving the show and our beloved DNVR gents are along for the ride. Love the count. You know what? Bring us a flask, Mace. Now, here's what I'm thinking, guys. Next week, after my family trip to Orlando this weekend, they're going to stay down in Orlando for my daughter's fall break at school, I'm going to be back here. So if there's a chance for a, you know, just a late night podcast, next week is probably the week to do it. All right. Maybe we'll have a Breck Brew pod. <laughs> yes. Uh, next one comes in from Bronco Jayhawk J, another Texas person. I mean, Kansas. Uh, I was born in Goodland, Kansas. And I, uh, I can't help you much in the discussion of the longitudinal line uh, that Broncos and Chiefs country goes through. As my family moved back to Denver when I was only three months old, I have now lived in Dayton, Ohio for exactly 30 years. Every time you guys talk about how to correctly pronounce a word, it makes me laugh pretty hard. Dayton has got to be one of the worst places with people's pronunciations. They can't even say the name of their city correctly. They say it with only the slightest hint of the D. It sounds more like Dayton. 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 Yeah. It honestly catches me off guard when it's pronounced correctly. Baby boomers and older also love to say warsh. Instead of wash. I don't get that, that at all. Crazy. The Warsh. Washington. <laughs> yep. Going up to Washington to watch the Redskins play. That's to wash my car. Oh, That's yeah. awful. <laughs> Next one from Litvatsky says, Hey, as an implant from Kansas for many years, I f- feel that the line goes to Salina. 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 Salina, where things are a bit blurry. As East to of which, Hayes, west of Manhattan. As to which team mm-hmm. people choose. Wichita is a heavy Chiefs area. Also, I know Nebraska also falls to a Broncos heavy area, but there it's mostly about the college team. Also, Never trying, heard of them. <laughs> also, trying the spectrum of recommendations recently, and StravaCraft is some great coffee. Keep up the great work. Shay Shay. Come on, Zach. Thank you. And Mandarin. Chinese. Not she she. Oh, Shay Shay. Hey. Yeah, exactly. See? Come on now. Yeah. Super Bowling. I want you guys to know that what you have done here is more than built a great platform to talk sports. You have built a family. 
This podcast has single-handedly changed days for me. What you do for your community doesn't go unnoticed, and I hope you know how much we all appreciate it. I have gained a bromance, a greater understanding of the game and our team, and above all else, something to listen to so I don't pull my hair out in D.C. traffic. Ugh, yeah, understand that. Being so far away from our stomping grounds can get kind of lonely being a Broncos fan. I had never watched a Broncos game or event with another Broncos fan. So when you do these watch parties or meetups, it makes an impact on people who never get those opportunities. This community made my experience at the draft and Hall of Fame twice as special and twice as sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what I'm say, trying to say is I appreciate you and I feel real lucky to be a part of this family. This is a damn good place to belong to. Now, let's go get this dub and send a message to the rest of the division that even when we are rebuilding, we are a threat on any given Sunday. Thursday. Super Bowl and way too cool. We're so happy to have you rolling with us. That means a lot. We really are. And, and I love hearing comments like that. It, it mm-hmm. really does mean a lot. And Allie, by the way, um, whose family uh, lives in D.C. now, and, and she's from D.C., or at least from her high school days, um, commented on there and, and gave you a recommendation for a place where you can go watch Broncos games with Broncos fans. So I maybe you'll it. head down mm-hmm. to the Penn Quarter Sports Tavern for tomorrow night's game. Look at that family helping family out. Exactly. All right, next one's from World of Suck. Guys, 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 shaking my head. I hope Ryan's back on the pod Wednesday to defend his take on behalf of those of us who agree with him. Let's go. On Tuesday, y'all discounted those of us who said 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight would reestablish the winning culture just because those aren't winning records. Of course, we know that 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine are not winning records, but if we go 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9, or nine, that would mean that the Broncos finished the season by going 8-4 and four or 7-5. and five. Those aren't incredible marks, but they are way, 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 way better than the 2-10 and 4-10 and four and ten Finishes the Broncos are produced in 2017 and 2018. It doesn't mean the rebuild would be complete, but it would give them a lot to build on going into next year. Nothing, not even a top 10 pick, could be more valuable for a first-time head coach, first-time offensive coordinator, or a young core of players. I totally disagree with that last part. A game-changing player that you get in the top 5, top 10 could absolutely be worth more than that. It's It's just a balance. I mean, it's hard to quantify what belief and culture and all that is worth. Sometimes it only takes one win, and you can lose some other games, but let's say you have a win either Thursday or Broncos don't beat the Chiefs, but maybe they get an upset at Minnesota or at Buffalo or at Houston or at Kansas City. Just having even one of those games going your favor can be what you need. And so maybe you can lose some others, but at least if you do it once, you can point to that moment and say, see, we can do it. Yeah, I mean, in college, it's often referred to as a signature win, you know, that a coaching staff needs to get. This tomorrow night would for sure be a signature win for Vic Fangio and company. But there are other opportunities yeah, for, for sure. signature wins down the line. Really, I mean, really quick. And it's a, it's a little different thing in this conversation. Maybe it's just being competitive throughout this season. They were not competitive with Vance Joseph. They were getting blown the blown out game after game and they've been competitive this year. So may, maybe it is a 5 and 11 4 and 12 is kind of hard to make the but, argument. But but maybe with a signature win thrown in there and they're close in every other game, you know, 7 points. Right. Let Bobby Bowden used to say, first you lose in a rebuild, you lose big, then you lose close, then you win close, and then you win big. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Maybe you're in the lose close phase of this rebuild. What would be more valuable to the Broncos long-term, a win over the Chiefs this week or winning at Arrowhead in December? Arrowhead in December. 
Uh, if you're thinking long term, because then that, that win is fresher. You, you could then lose the last two games at home, but you'd be thinking about that win at Depends Arrowhead the in December for a long time. If they're both Joe Flacco, then I'll take but, this week because it gives you belief, gets you back into this thing. Well, my but, guess is that it's more likely to be Drew Locke. If it's Drew Locke, then you could take you that imagine? for sure. Could you imagine? Drew Locke goes Drew, into to, Arrowhead. Into his Mahomes. hometown. Kid oh. from the Kansas City area goes back there and beats the Chiefs. Man, you could go, you could have, you could be four and twelve. But if that's one of the two wins you get the rest of the way, you're feeling great about 2020. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Drew Locke definitely has. All right, uh, from Albert BD5. Lucky me, I have a coworker who's a huge Chiefs fan, and all I've heard about is how Kansas City is just entering its prime. I finally had enough and told him I could never imagine if the NFL named a trophy after Pat Bowlen and my Broncos were never good enough to win one. (laughs) It's been a quiet work week since uh, since that I said that, and I'm just hoping the Broncos back it up this Thursday. Bold prediction time, guys. Ever since Poe threw that TD against us, I just want revenge and have a different and want a different position player to throw one for us too. My bold prediction is for Thursday. Emmanuel throws a TD coming off a jet sweep in the red zone, hopefully in route. To us winning the game. What are your guys' bold predictions for Thursday Night Football? Time to get that dub against the Chiefs. I know Ryan's not going to give us his right now, but I, I must say I'm very excited to see it Some sometime in the next 24 hours, We'll hopefully. see how I feel when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman combined for 250 yards from scrimmage. That's bold. Ooh, that's a win. Maybe. Zach, you got one? No. All right. Come on, I'll Zach. Think. I'll think. It's just bold predictions aren't fun if the team loses, you know? They're, they're not fun picking Patrick Mahomes to destroy your team. Well, that's not bold. Is that your prediction? Are you going to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw five touchdown passes? That this is Patrick Mahomes' get-right game? So this is the scary thing, is that the Chiefs, this is their get-right game potentially. That's the possibility that scares me I about this I think it's going to be really hard for them to get right against this defense. Yeah, I'll say Pat. It is going to be hard for them to do that. I say Patrick Mahomes does it, though. I, I say he has. He tops 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. So just a regular game for him? It's a pretty <laughs> darn good game. I mean, coming up, coming off against games where the Broncos just had three turnovers in back-to-back weeks. Fair enough. I think Patrick Mahomes looks good. All right. All right, yeah. From okay. not Philip Lindsay. Hey, guys, long time. was wondering what you think about a potential Cam Newton trade. We're done with that. Okay, mile high and SEK. <laughs> First time commenting, felt like I had to since the shout-out was Kansas. Live in southeast Kansas, hence the S-E-K in the name. Not a whole lot to say, but I'll proudly be repping my Broncos gear Thursday night in the middle of enemy territory in Olathe as I'll be stuck watching my sister play volleyball, the things we do for family. I got Broncos 28-24. Get a new family. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just... uh, Who's... Whose family makes them support them on game days? Next one coming in from BanFam13.1. Says, hey, guys, great job in the pod. Been a while since I last commented, but since you called out listeners from Kansas, I had to chime in. I live in Lindsboro. Did I get that right, guys? Is it Lindsborg? Lindsborg, which is about... It's it's a Swedish town. And I'm going to say it's about 15 miles south of Salina. Salina. I hate these names. <laughs> I'm definitely in Chiefs country here, but there are a fair amount of Broncos fans as well. I guess the, the deciding line between Chiefs and Broncos fans is Kansas is somewhere between Colby, from what I can tell. I grew up in Longmont, so when we come back to Colorado frequently, I've got a six-pack of choice bet on the of choice bet beer on the game with one of my buddies here. 
told them to find me a six pack of Brett's vanilla Porter. Thanks for all your hard work and great content. Awesome. And the final one here, I believe comes in from Micah. Oh no, we have one in just under the wire after Micah. Okay. Second to last one with a buzzer beater in there. Uh, from Micah. Here's my hope. Although our two wins have come at the hands of a couple of bad teams, just getting that winning feeling and the momentum and cohesion and good feelings that this produces could perhaps help us gel and play better football going forward. Kind of like a player getting an easy layup in basketball. Just seeing that ball go through the hoop can get a player going. We'll find out this week. Let's just hope it translates and we can get a win over those Chiefs. <laughs> That's a little more uh, robust of an insult than just little, calling them the chefs. A little colorful, I would yeah. say. Okay, here we go. Bold prediction. Malik yeah. Reed has multiple sacks. All right. Okay, there, there like you go. That. That's bold. That's good. Talon 7. There may be a dividing line for Broncos and Chiefs fans in rural Kansas, but I'm happy to report that Broncos country is alive and thriving in the Wichita area. Not a day goes by that I don't see multiple Broncos bumper stickers, window decals, or license plate frames while driving around town. There are four other Broncos families that live in my neighborhood and only one family brazen enough to rep the Chiefs. At my work, there are almost as many Broncos fans as Chiefs fans, and the number of non-Chiefs fans outnumber them 2-1. to one. I'm sure it has to do with Wichita being a melting pot. Either way, I'm grateful I don't have it as bad as the Broncos fans living in Kansas City. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. P.S. Do you think you could let your contacts at Breckenridge know that we desperately need Strawberry Sky down here in Wichita next summer? I've talked to multiple liquor store owners that tell me they would order it if they could, but it's not being offered to them. I can only get it when in KC, and that's two and a half hours away. Luckily, the fridge can be kept stocked with vanilla porter. We'll work on that for next summer. Um... It's pretty cool hearing how many uh, listeners we have out there in Kansas. I will personally be in Kansas in December for CU Kansas basketball in Lawrence. Have Allen you ever Field been to House. Allen Fieldhouse before? Yes, it's incredible. It's a bucket list item. Zach, have you ever been to Allen Fieldhouse? Never have been. It's one of those places where you walk in and you feel like you're in a sacred place. Like you mm. feel like there's like you can almost like feel the history in your body. Mm. When's the game? Uh, early December. It's a Saturday, right? I can't remember. I don't know. My I think buddy got one, me a ticket. I think it's one of those weekends the Broncos are on the road what to start blast. the month. Yep. What a blast. And that wraps it up, comment-wise. So, uh, good discussion today, boys. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow, because I think if they win tomorrow, they'll be trending towards what I hope for much more than what you hope for. I think they'll be trending... More than you hope for. Maybe nine and seven. Maybe actually a winning record. That would be huge. Uh, but for now, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. And of course, we gave you a nice, juicy one hour and 45 minute podcast here. Hope you appreciate it. Next time you'll hear from us, the Broncos will either be on the road to redemption or the road to a quarterback. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. It's
Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.